Welcome to our midweek online Bible study. We are in 2 Timothy. Our topic is training in righteousness. In his letter to Timothy, Paul provides many practical tips on how to train yourself in righteousness. In 2 Timothy 3.18, it says we're to train ourselves in righteousness so that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, this verse is linked back to what Paul told Timothy in the first letter to Timothy. I'm thinking about chapter 4, verse 8 of 1 Timothy. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. We all should know the benefits of physical training, the importance of it. It helps us in many areas of life. It's a great benefit. But physical training has its limitations. That's what Paul means here. Physical training cannot remove sin. Physical training cannot remove our guilt. Physical training cannot transform you into the image of Jesus Christ. Physical training cannot provide spiritual understanding by the Holy Spirit. And physical training cannot protect you from the deception and subversion, the actions of the devil. Physical training is important. It's essential. But what's even more important than that, Paul says, great value in all things is your godly training. Your training in righteousness. It has value in every aspect of your life. The physical, the mental, the emotional, the rational, and the spiritual. Godly training overcomes sin. Godly training removes guilt and condemnation. Training in righteousness increases your hope. It transforms you into the image of Christ. It provides spiritual understanding by the Holy Spirit. And that godly training, that training in righteousness, protects you from the deception and subversive actions of the devil. Now I want us this week to turn to 2 Timothy 2.15 and look at how the Word of God is essential in your training in righteousness. Paul writes, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you should desire to be trained in righteousness so that it will help you to stand strong in your faith. And a very important part of that training in righteousness, Paul says, is this word of truth. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. In 2 Timothy 3.18, the statement to be trained in righteousness is linked to the word of God. Look in verse 16 and 17, the context of chapter 3. All scripture, how much of scripture? All scripture. Where does it come from? It's God breathed. What's it useful for? It's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting. And here it is, training in righteousness. Why is that so important? So that the servant of God, the worker of God may be thoroughly equipped, not lacking anything for every good work. And then you come to our text here today, 2 Timothy 2.15 You see, you're going to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. And here's a linking again, who correctly handles that word of truth. 
Now, Jesus tells us that we are sanctified. That's the word to be made holy, to be set apart for God. That we are sanctified by the word of truth, by the truth that's found in God's word. And that's why Paul says here in 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, that we have to be able to handle the word of truth correctly. That we need to study to show ourselves to present ourselves the best possible way to God is one approved. So what is the context of that? What does that mean? Well, you have your Bibles open. I hope that you do. Go back to the very first verse of chapter 2 and see the context, verses 1 through 14. And it's going to help us understand what it means to be trained in righteousness through the word of truth. Now, look back at verse 15 for just a moment before we look at the context. Paul says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Study to show yourself approved. That's what some of the older translations say. Do your best as one approved. You say, well, David, that sounds like you can, by self-effort and self-discipline, save yourself and be pleasing to God. See, that's where context is very important, right? There's three things about a Bible verse that you need to know. And write these down. Here are the three things about a Bible verse, any Bible verse that you need to know. Here are the three things. They all begin with the letter C. They are context, context, and context. You must have the context of the Scripture in order to understand what it's truly saying. So what does it mean to do your best to be approved by God. Well, let's go to the context. Verse 1. It depends on being in God's grace. Paul says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see, Christ sets you free. He gives you the confidence of righteousness to live unashamed before God. Your past in Christ is forgiven. Your present through Christ is covered. And your future in Christ is secured. By the grace of Christ through your faith in Christ Jesus. You present yourself before God as one saved by Christ. This grace of Christ is to be strong in you. And when it's strong in you, you present, do the best you can to present yourself to God as one approved by God. Approved by God. Why? Because in Jesus Christ there's no condemnation. Because through Jesus Christ, we can approach the throne room of God to receive grace and mercy that we all need in our time of help. What is it else does it mean to present yourself as one approved by God? Well, go to verse 8. You're saved by the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Paul says, I want you to remember that. Remember, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He was descended from heaven. Paul says, don't forget you can present yourself before God and be approved by God because of what Jesus has done for you when you received him as your Lord and Savior. Know that story. Know that gospel story. What does the word gospel mean? That's right, the good news of Christ. Know the good news that the cross and the fruit of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was given to us on the cross, the fruit of salvation. The word of truth prophesied about his death and his resurrection for our sins. Paul says, remember this word of truth and remember the prophecy centuries before that he would be from the household of David, that he would descend from David. That's exactly what he did. 
But importantly, remember that you're not saved by any works that you do. Not by any self-effort or self-discipline. Rather, you're saved by the death of Jesus Christ and the cross and his resurrection from the dead. By grace, you have been saved by faith. This is not your own doing. It is the work of God. Now, some actually believe that if there's a judgment or eternity, and they're not even sure about that. But if there is, then they believe that they've done enough good things in their life that far outweigh all the bad that they've done. They believe that they will be able to stand before God and present their case of why they should be saved based on their own self-righteousness. They did not train themselves in godliness. They did not train themselves in righteousness. They did not accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I'm here to tell you that those that are in that group are sadly wrong, eternally wrong. Look in the verses. Price Jesus paid on the cross for our sins had a reason. He paid the price that we could not. He did this. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves or anyone else. To do your best to stand before God as one approved means you're strong in the grace of God. You remember that you're saved by the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of him from the dead. Look at 11 through 13. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. You can count on this. You can trust in this. This is an accurate, true statement. If we died with him, we will live with him. If we endure, we'll reign with him. However, if you disown him, he'll disown you. If you are faithless, he'll remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Now back to our main verse in chapter 2, verse 15. We're trained in righteousness through the word of truth. And Paul says, we are workers who do not need to be ashamed. We are workers in the kingdom of God. We are working together for a growing kingdom. Now, if you look in verse 2 through 7, the context, 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 Paul describes the different kinds of workers that are in the kingdom of God. He says in verse 3, we do the work of a teacher. The things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses teach and entrust to reliable people so they will be able to teach others. There is the teaching, the discipleship, the training that we're involved in. The church is a place where we grow. It's a church, a place where we are teaching. The church is a place of discipleship. The church is a place of training others to teach as well. We're trained in righteousness. It's not just for ourselves. It's not just an individual path to glory. We build ourselves up in the word of truth so that we can teach others, to train them so that they can teach others. The Hebrew writer in chapter 5 tells the importance of spiritual growth, moving from infancy in Christ to maturity as teachers in Christ. And in chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, the Hebrew writer says, look, you're reversing this. You are... You were infants in Christ, supposed to be moving towards maturity, but you stopped and you're going and heading back towards infancy. And so he says this, we have much to say about this. He's talking about the subject of Melchizedek. And he's trying to explain what, who Melchizedek is and what his whole ministry is all about. And the Hebrew writer says, I would love to tell you more about the story, but I can't. Well, why can't you tell us more? And he says, because it's hard to make it clear to you because you're no longer trying to understand. Something's blocking you. If I even told you more about Melchizedek, you wouldn't hear it. You wouldn't listen to it because you're not in a position of training in righteousness. I'm thinking about this COVID time and the isolation that 
many are experiencing. Most of our information is coming from the news entertainment industry or the entertainment news industry, stoking fear, misinformation, and oftentimes propaganda. If you're not engaged in the Word of God more than you're buying to the news attainment of our time, then it's hard to talk about training in righteousness or make clear some needed biblical principle for you to come out of stronger because you're no longer having the desire to understand the truth. You are putting your mind, absorbing everything that the world is teaching you. And it's training you into that fear that the world is all caught up in and enslaving As I mentioned last week, part of godly training is learning to walk by faith and casting out that spirit of the fear. God gives his his spirit so that we can live by faith in order to cast out the spirit of fear, which comes from the devil. The Hebrew writer continues, in fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, so you should be growing up. You need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. During this COVID time, it's an opportunity to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, some of the good news from our recent survey shows that many of you during this time have become more thankful. You've grown spiritual. You've increased your time in prayer and in God's word. The flip side of a national survey of Christians shows that many have tuned out. They've stopped praying and being in God's word. They no longer even worship online. Well, who are these Christians? Well, what's interesting in that survey is that they're the ones who also express that they have a great weary, a great worry and fear and anxiety about the future. Unfortunately, they do not see the connection between the lack of dependence upon God and his word and now their spirit being filled with fear and worry about the future. Hebrews says, by now you should have grown. You should have become a teacher, but instead you have backtracked and we need to start back with all the ABCs all over again. So he continues, you need milk, not solid food. It's being sarcastic. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. I'd love to give you solid food to grow in the word of God, to learn to be a teacher, to train others in discipleship so they can teach others. But I'm still having to feed you the milk. Because you're not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. See it? Training in righteousness leads to maturity. Being teachers to others to train others. Instead, you're an infant on infant food. Let me ask you. Who are you training? What about your household? Your children need you to be trained in righteousness. Your spouse needs you to be trained in righteousness. You need to be helping your children to be trained in righteousness and you need to be helping your spouse to be trained in righteousness. Right now, eternal destinations are being determined in households all across this world by how seriously Christians are taking their work as a teacher. Back to 2 Timothy 2. We are workers who are teachers. Verse 3, we are workers who are soldiers. Join with me, Paul says, in the suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. You know the song, soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on. You are a soldier in the kingdom of God. This is your work, and this work is hard work. It requires suffering. Stand against the devil and his deceptions. 
to stand, to be strong in the strength of the Lord. Our battles are not against others, the flesh and blood. We're engaged in a spiritual battle against the demonic spiritual forces that enslave so many in our world. Our work is like a soldier. It's tough, at times suffering. But we are armored with truth and righteousness and peace and faith and salvation. And we are armed with the sword of the word of God and prayer. Paul says training in righteousness makes us aware of our work as a teacher, our work as a soldier. Then look in verse 5, our work as an athlete. Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. It takes training to be an accomplished athlete. Athletes train to compete and to win. I love the old song. I heard the old, old story. How my Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing of his cleansing power, revealing how he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought me the victory. If you stop the physical training as an athlete, you can't compete or win. Just think of the runner who stops training and decides months later to compete in a race. What's going to happen? That runner's going to embarrass himself. The rules are not going to change for the ruler, it's going to, for the runner. It's going to be the same race, the same rules, no exemptions. Nothing's changed. Except the person's now out of shape and they're not going to be able to compete to win. The runner in all likelihood will not receive the victor's crown and probably won't even finish his race. We are workers, Paul said, not ashamed. We're like the teacher who teaches others to be teachers. We're like the soldier who stays on mission in the kingdom of God, willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. We're like the athlete who stays in training and runs to win and finishes the race. One more worker is described here in verse 6. We're workers that are like farmers. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. (laughs) I was walking the grocery store a couple weeks ago with my grandson, Clayton. We were going to get some items from the grocery store. One item we had to get was some hamburger meat. So I jokingly said to Clayton, my grandson, let's go to the meat department back there and let's pick out some cow meat. Got to get a couple of pounds of cow meat. And Clayton said, ooh, cow meat, that's gross, Papa, that's gross. Who wants to eat a cow? I then realized that Clayton did not associate hamburger meat with a cow. Clayton was thoroughly and is thoroughly a city guy. Never grew up on the farm, hardly ever been on a farm. So I said, Clayton, hamburger meat comes from a cow. When you eat hamburger meat, you're eating a cow. He had this puzzled look on his face, but a few seconds later, he just said, that's just gross. That's just gross. Well, he might have thought it was gross, but when he got back to the house, he couldn't wait to tell his younger brother, Jake, that we're eating a cow for dinner tonight. Notice it says that the work of a farmer is hard work. 
It is hard work. I'm the first Clayton in the line of my Claytons that did not live on the farm and do full-time farming. My dad did it until he was 18 years old and he couldn't wait to get out of Buckhead in Tennessee and get out of the farming business. But I grew up all my life into my early 20s helping out on the farm, doing all sorts of things. That was just natural part of my life. And I, I gotta tell you, I did not enjoy it. It was hard work. It was hard. I didn't enjoy being a farmer at all. I'm so glad that my dad made the decision to get off the farm and get us into the city. But being a farmer and doing farm work, you learn about the seasons and cycles of life. Farmers have to be consistent. They can't take a few months off. They have to be patient. They learn there's a season for everything, a time to plow, a time to plant, time to fertilize, a time to weed, time to harvest. Certainly in this time of upheaval, everyone's trying to figure out exactly what season we are in. And really and truthfully, we're all trying to rush into the season of being normal again, trying to get there. But what Paul told Timothy is what he's telling us. We have to be like a farmer. We have to know what season we're in. And regardless of what season we're in, we're to be faithful in season and out of season. So training in righteousness is about doing your best to present yourself as one approved by God. And you do that through the grace of Christ and remembering that it was the sacrifice of Christ on the cross that saved you. It's about being a worker who's not ashamed. We are workers in the kingdom of God. There is much to be done in growing ourselves and teaching others. There is much work to be done as a soldier of Christ. The time in which we're living as the tide is turning, as more and more people are turning against Christ and the church and looking for other answers, it's important that we become the faithful soldier. I love that verse that says that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. There are many more victories in Christ to be won. There is much training to be done. Like an athlete to keep our eye on the victor's crown and to win. As a congregation, we are steadily moving forward during this time. We established an online worship presence for those who must stay home. We slowly started having people back to worship in the building, first starting with just two groups at a time, and then we moved to three groups at a time, and then last week we started inviting all the groups back. This week we're bringing back the children's Bible hour so that our kids can have the children's Bible hour during worship. Our new church budget begins August 1st. Our deacons continue to meet on a regular basis. Our elders and ministers are meeting regularly. Those meetings have not changed. The church office has stayed open throughout all this to assist where we can. The point I'm trying to make is that being a good worker is like an athlete. You keep doing the right things even when you don't feel like it. You keep your eye on the prize. We're going to come out of this stronger and with some great stories to tell of faith and hope and victory to share with each other that will increase the faith and hope of others. There is so much work to be done that's going to require patience and endurance and going through more storms. But there will be a harvest and it will be a harvest of righteousness. And those of us who are faithful will get to experience sharing in that crop. That crop will be plentiful and abundant. So let's return to our text, Training in Righteousness today, 2 Timothy 2.15, and finish up. We are workers who need not be ashamed. Why? Because we are correctly handling the word of truth. Best thing you can do for yourself is to be in God's word. 
to be comfortable, to know what you're doing, to know how to handle the word of truth. I remember the first time I ever picked up my single shot rifle. It felt awkward. It's a bit intimidating. I'd asked for it for Christmas and I'd received it. I was 11 years old. I wasn't sure what to do with it, but I trusted that my Papa Brizendine and my dad would teach me what to do. But it felt weird. I wasn't comfortable with it. I was almost afraid of it. But my Papa Brizendine and my dad carefully trained me how to shoot that single shot rifle that I'd gotten on my 11th birthday as a Christmas present. It took a while, but with the proper training, I became very comfortable and I knew how to correctly handle that rifle and it brought years and years of joy. Listen to me. Don't be a stranger to the Word of God. Don't let your children grow up in your household and not know the stories of the Bible. Don't lead your family to be uncomfortable about spiritual things. Know the Word. Grow in the Word. Train in the Word. Train your family in the Word so that you can correctly handle the Word of truth. What does that mean? It means you know how to use it. When filled with worry, you know where to turn in the Word of truth for the solution. When filled with sorrow, you know where to turn. When filled with fear, you know where to turn. When faced with temptation, you know how to use the Word of God. When confronted with bad relationships and things are going bad, you know how to treat others according to the Word of God. You're comfortable and you know how to correctly handle the Word of truth. Train yourselves in righteousness through the Word of truth. Stand strong in the grace of Christ. Thank Him for His sacrifice for your sins and your salvation. And with confidence and assurance, be a worker for the Lord and His kingdom. It is the greatest and most satisfying work that you can ever do. It will have eternal, beautiful, and wonderful consequences.